This is the legendary Tom DeFalco, and you're listening to Amazing Spider Talk. Tell all your friends, because these guys are going to pay me a buck every time a new listener tunes in. Too many who know the angles, uncover and untangle All the questions and the webs left out to tangle I'll be in 1962, last Wednesday's afternoon They'll bend your ears with reckless self-abandon The Amazing Spider-Talk The Amazing Spider-Talk Come swing through the air Sit back and prepare For the Amazing Hello and welcome to the Amazing Spider Talk. My name is Dan Gavazdan and I'm the founder and editor of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. Thanks for joining me for a special Amazing Friends episode of Amazing Spider Talk. I hope you enjoy this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between a fan and a creator as we look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture. Well, for this episode, I'll be talking to Mark Giannacchio, the creator of the Chasing Amazing blog, co-host of the Amazing Spider Talk podcast, whatever that is, and the author of the new book, 100 Things Spider-Man Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die, which is kind of a scary title because it seems as though Spider-Man fans might be on the edge of dying. Well, I'm really excited to have him on as a guest, and I can't wait to hear more about his new book detailing the history of my favorite character, Spider-Man. So let's not wait any longer, and let's get right to the interview with none other than Mark. Well, now let's meet one of our amazing spider friends. The kind of guy I go to other friends who recommend. Find out about the things they created. You're loving so much that you wish you dated. But you're just friends. They're an amazing friend. A friend, a friend, a friend. They're an amazing friend. Well, welcome to the show, Mark. It's really great to have you. Dan, that is that is just very weird to hear from the other side. <laughs> <laughs> I kept wanting to be like, I don't <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Welcome to the show for the first time. Thank you very much. Well, I, I'm going to do what I imagine all creators do when they come on your show, Dan, which is, uh, hold on. Uh, I'm going to enjoy a beverage. Um, <laughs> Mark is drinking some alcohol right now. Yes, um, it is a it is a Sam Adam Tropic of Yuzu. It's from the Sam Adam Summer Pack. It's a, I've never had this one before. It's a little exotic and fruity. It's nice. I feel like Very Sam st- Adams has more beers in its line than every other beer company combined. They're like the Marvel Comics of beer. <laughs> yeah, right. And everything gets discontinued after a couple months. Pretty much, yes. Yeah, right. <laughs> this beer is kind of like Mockingbird. It's kind of tasty, but ask it about its feminist agenda, and it's going to disappear after seven issues. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, Mark, uh, this is going to be a very, like, navel-gazy episode. Um I but, love Yeah, but let's but let's dive right in. Uh, congratulations on your book. I got my copy in the mail from you uh, later than everybody else. I'll add, <laughs> um, but still excited to have received it with uh, a little note from you in it. Uh, I, I thought it was fitting. I showed up to a date with uh, my fiance Amy, and she whipped a package out from behind her back, and it was your book. And then I spent the date looking at the book and tearing up having a beer over it while she <laughs> checked her phone or something. But uh, well, I, I hope those were tears of joy and not tears of like, God, I can't believe he spent all this time and this was the net result for shame. Oh, no, that, <laughs> that dawning realization didn't come to much later. OK, there you go. <laughs> uh, again, congratulations on the book. Uh, I think it's a really... Uh, it's a, it's, I think it's like a brilliant little guide through the world of Spider-Man. Um, and mostly I'm excited for kind of a younger generation of fans to pick this thing up, which is, to me is the intended audience of this thing, is like people who really want to learn kind of the ins and outs of Spider-Man, like, you know, maybe for the first time. Um, but that's not to say that I'm not learning things reading it, because I definitely have been um, as well. But I, I guess the first off is... Uh, uh, can you tell me and the listeners, I guess I know a little bit about this, but like, how did this book 
come to be? And uh, I guess what were the parameters of the book uh, when you, the editor kind of connected with you? Uh, sure. Well, around last summer, a little little more than a year ago at this point, I I got like a cold call, so to speak, a cold email from uh, Triumph Books asking if I would be interested in um, writing a Spider-Man book as part of their 100 Things series. And, you know, I, I, I was familiar with these books because they're, they, they're mostly sports books. It's like they do one for like every single like sports team and like college team and stuff like a hundred things. So-and-so fans know, know and do. Um, although I never really put two and two together that they all were part of the same publishing company. I mean, I just kind of, you know, they, they're like, you know, I, I saw them as kind of like hobbyist books like, Oh, you know, you don't, you, you need to find a gift for somebody that, you know, likes a, a team or something and you don't know what to do. Oh, this, this book will work, you know what I mean? So, which is kind of like for the most, and they, and they pride themselves on that. Like, that's kind of like their thing. And, um, you know, I, I was initially kind of like, Oh, you know, a, a cold call, what's this about? You know, I, I, I spoke to, uh, uh, an acquisitions editor about it and, and, you know, we kind of like, <laughs> kick some ideas back and forth and and um you know i also did a little additional research on some of their other things and i saw that like over the past year they had done an avengers book they had done a star wars book uh they had done a superman book i mean all kind of connected to major theatrical releases i mean that was clearly the the avenue uh that they were going for was um trying to tie these pop culture characters with movies, because let's face it, Dan, I mean, you and I talked about this at length on the podcast. I mean, at this point, for a lot of these, you know, companies like Marvel and DC, I mean, the, the, the comics are kind of like a farm system and it's the movies and the TV shows where, you know, the, the audience is. I mean, you know, so, um, you know, and they and they explained to me outright, like, you know, this book is is geared should be geared towards um, more casual fans. And they're like, we know that, you know, they knew that they were familiar with the with our podcast. They're familiar with Chasing Amazing. They're familiar with SuperiorSpireTalk.com. And they were like, they even said, because I was like, oh, you know, should I should I be trying to get interviews with these people, these people? And they were like, well, you probably have a lot of this stuff on hand already from like the stuff that you've done with your podcast and your website. Um but I mean, I still wanted to like reach back out and get more information. But they, you know, they were, you know, trying to guide me to not to dive deep, but not dive so deep that, you know, there that there was no other side. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, so you know, we, we, we after meeting with the acquisitions people, you know, we, we signed the contract and I, I uh, met my um, my editor and um that's when like we kind of started to formulate more of what the book was going to be. And, you know, to, I don't know if this is, you know, yeah, to their credit, I mean, they, they gave me a lot of latitude. Like I was, I, I, I came up with an initial list of a hundred things and was kind of thinking as I submitted it, oh, this is like too heavily tilted towards the comics. They're going to like say, no way it needs to be more broad. And outside of like a couple of little tweaks, it was pretty much good to go. And I was like, oh, so I'm going to get to not only am I getting to write this book, but I'm getting to write like a book I want to really write because I was worried that I was going to have to like write about like all these actors and directors and producers because the Avengers book was actually very heavily tilted towards the movies. There was like bios of like all the individual actors, all the directors and producers and like, you know, Kevin Feige, you know, like all this stuff. And I was like, I, I really don't want to do that for Spider-Man. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, you know, like, I mean, there's some stuff from the movies in there, but like, I didn't want to like have to get too entrenched in that. But no, I mean, they were like, you know, write, write this book about the comics. But, you know, like, again, keep in mind, like you're kind of you're introducing this to people. And like the other the other catch was like coming up with things to do and they you know they kind of admitted outright this is always the thing that seems to trip up their writers but like i kind of faked not even say faked it but i i I got through that by saying well what if i like came up with like a handful of stories that are like essential reads haha remember our essentials dan (laughs) Uh, 
and said, like, you know, you need to read these. These are must reads. Is that can that be something to do? And they're like, oh, absolutely. And then I was like, you know, they wanted like at least like 10 to 12 things to do. So I was like, all right, well, I got like seven or eight stories to read. And like I fill out the rest of the list with like listen to our podcast because they said pitch your podcast. And they were like write about going on a comic book, you know, comic book collection and chasing, you know, how you did your chasing amazing thing. I'm like, okay, I can do that. And then I came up with a couple more things and it was like, all right, this book, this book's going to happen. And then I kind of finished it with, and I'll say make wheat cakes because, you know, what better thing to do if you're a Spider-Man fan than make wheat cakes? So let me ask you, did you make the wheat cakes? Oh God, you know, you're, you're, you're the second person to ask me that question. So here's the thing. So my wife, I, uh, I have heard you say multiple times you've done everything in this book. So let's see if this holds up. All right. So full disclosure. Um, when, when I, when this book first became a reality, my wife and I had this conversation. My wife is like the baker and like, she does like good breakfast stuff, like French toast, waffle, stuff like that. And I was like, okay, I'm putting this wheat cake thing in there. I've never done, I've never tried this recipe though. She's like, oh, we got to do it. And like, oh, we're going to do it. Yeah, we're going to do it. And then like I was like writing the draft and it's like, we got to make the wheat cakes. Yeah, we're going to make the wheat cakes. And then I finished the first draft. And as we were editing it, it's like, oh, we're going to get the wheat cakes. We got to make the wheat cakes. And it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we submitted like the edited first draft and got some feedback from the editor. And it was still like, oh, we got to make the wheat cakes. Oh, yeah, we got to make the wheat cakes. And then the book came out and we still have not made the wheat cakes. So we need to make the wheat cakes, Dan. We need what to make kind of cake. Spider-Man fan are you? I know, I know, I know. <laughs> you know, one of the one of the ingredients in your wheat cakes is arsenic. Oh, stop no. it! <laughs> uh, thing, like, like, like my wife, my wife helped copy it. I mean, like, I had editors and proofers and stuff at the publisher, but um, you know, we obviously like reread and reread it like nine million times as well. And she, like, there was a, at one point she thought there was something wrong with the recipe and she just didn't see something that I typed in there. Cause she's like, no, this doesn't make sense. It needs something. And I'm like, Oh no, it's right there. Oh, okay. I think it was like the molasses or something like that. She like <laughs> see where the molasses was. So anyway, well, the wheat cakes are literally the last thing in the book. Uh, so let's go to the beginning, uh, sure. which is one of my favorite parts of the book, which just so happens to be the part you didn't write. So uh, oh. <laughs> there's that. Uh, right. Yeah, so you have a great forward from none other than the legendary Tom DeFalco, uh, right. and which my favorite quote in the entire book uh, comes forth, which is him saying, talking about our podcast, yes, it's a podcast that used to invite Ron and me on for the occasional interview, but it's gotten too big and fancy for us. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was hysterical. So Tom, you know, was really or the legendary Tom uh, yeah. was was uh, nice enough to write a forward to the book. I guess I'm curious, can you tell us about that forward and um, how it came to be and I guess your reaction to it the first time you read it? Well, I had reached out to Tom for the book like uh, a couple of times and and you know it what 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 basically happened was like with with these other hundred things books, some of them had, forwards and some didn't and like the superman book had one from um, mark wade in it um but i don't think the avengers of the star wars books did so i was kind of like i was in talking with my editor he was like can we do this and he was like i you know it was like well maybe i was getting kind of like a non-committal answer about it and until finally like i think like the first draft was done and i was like are we doing a forward or no and they're like do you have someone in mind? And I was like, I'll ask Tom because I mean, we were at like, like as great as our conversations with Tom and, and Ron, of course, have been on on the show, Dan, like he was like, you know, when we were talking on the phone, like it like I think because he knew he wasn't being recorded. I mean, it was like uh, not off the record, obviously, but it was just an even more informal conversation. It just was even it, it, it felt like talking to a friend. It felt like me talking to you on the phone about comics. You know what I mean? Like he was just being so like chatty and then like we were talking about his book of interviews that i know you 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 own that book right? oh yeah the one that, oh yeah. yeah i mean i love that book i even told him i was it's like great. that book has been like you know like a uh you know a divining rod for me with with this with while well, writing this thing i mean you know we've done so many interviews ourselves but like you know 
even when we prep for our interviews, I always kind of look at that book first to be like, all right, what did, what did Tom ask these guys? And let's, you know, how can I, how can we vary it a little bit? So we're not saying the same exact thing, or is there something in that book that we need a little more from, you know what I mean? So, um, so the fact, you know, we were, we were having this conversation. So I, I, I reached back out to Tom and, you know, unfortunately I, I didn't give him a ton of time to do it, but he, he just cranked. He was like, I'd be honored. He was like, you know, in exchange, I require four copies. I was like, okay, <laughs> exactly four. And that's what I did. <laughs> Nobody does irascible praise quite like Tom. Yeah, he was, <laughs> he was fantastic. And, and, you know, he's like, you know, well, of course I'll have to praise Ron in it. I'm like, of course. Cause I mean, you know, like that, 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 that relationship is not just for show for, you know, you know, for comics. I mean, you could tell that they truly do adore each other. So, um, yeah, like that, that just came together pretty quickly and haphazardly. I mean, but, but he was like more than willing to do it. And like, I didn't even have to, I mean, I was like, yeah, you know, like uh, just talk a little bit about how, you know, me and how, you know, the subject matter. He's like, I know what I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) I've, I've, this is not my first rodeo. <laughs> uh, e- even better, he gave us our own Marvel adjectival names. Of course, you're you're Dapper Dan, right? I am Dapper Dan, and you're mischievous Mark. Yeah, I think that fits because you're, you're you're definitely more dapper than I am. I don't know. And I'm definitely that. I'm definitely the troublemaker of the two. That seems to be right. Well, <laughs> that was really great to read. Um, I guess my next big question, and we kind of talked about this a little bit, is like. I mean, anybody that knows you or anybody that knows you as well as I do knows that you could have written an 100 things about Hobgoblin if, if you <laughs> had to. You know? and, and you definitely have written that book before, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Um, right. You know, uh, it's got to be tough because not only did you have to narrow it down to 100 things, you're only doing three or four pages per thing. You know, how did you even – Let's talk about just the hundred things first. How did you even begin to narrow down the hundred things? Like, what parameters did you set for yourself? Like, you know, you you have creators in there, but you only have you know you have mostly writers and some artists, Dicko, the Romitas, McFarlane, but no Ramos or Friends. Although Friends yeah. is mentioned a lot, what was yeah. your kind of like deciding line on what made it into the book and what didn't? Yeah, I mean, I would have done more on creators and more artists um if i if i well i had bagley in there too um so i didn't completely yeah, neg- I, yeah but uh, yeah but it was more tilted towards the writers which is probably also when we talk about comics kind of how i more tilted tilt the conversation but you know what i was trying to do was like again you know, the, the the idea was to keep this as kind of accessible and and broad as possible so i mean first things first you know it's one to a hundred and it is ranked by order of importance um like that's kind of you know which actually kind of makes it tricky sometimes because you're kind of like you know your 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 mindset is to go chronologically um especially with like a character like spider-man that goes back 50 plus years but like yeah. you know they were, they were very insistent on kind of ranking this by importance which I mean, in some cases, like when you're talking about characters and creators or storylines, I mean, like, you know, it's kind of like like the master planner trilogy is kind of like the story that begets everything else. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, yeah. I'm going to say it works out like kind of well chronologically, too, in your book. Yeah. Um, but like. You know, and kind of looking at some of the other pop culture books that Triumph had done and then kind of using my own judgment. I mean, like what I wanted to do was kind of narrow it down based on like um, things that more casual fans would recognize. Like I tried to keep it like the characters I chose to focus on were mostly characters, not only from the comics that are important to the comics, but, you know, like if they showed up in a movie they made it, you know what I mean? Like, like, I mean, that's how, like, like actually from a comic book standpoint, I would I, like Rhino to me is not the most important villain. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. but Rhino showed up in a movie. I was like, he's got to be in this book somewhere. You know what I mean? And yeah. then, um, and the same with like creators, like I tried to focus on creators that had done contributed to stuff that not only were like big stories in the comics, but were also kind of like, you know, 
got mined for other things. You know what I mean? Like, like obviously McFarlane because of Venom and how Venom has been used, and also like you know, def, you know, DeFalco for all the. I mean, well, DeFalco has done so much over so many so many different eras. Did like Jerry Conway. Uh, like Bagley because of Ultimate and and Bendis because of Ultimate. Although obviously I don't think you would be arguing on either of those people as being important. Yeah. So that was kind of like you know where I was going with 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 narrowing it down. And then of course like I had to make sure I put some stuff about the current movie coming out because again I mean it is meant to tie in. So it's like okay, I don't know if you could really say it's hard to say. 10, 15 years from now, if John Watts is going to have the same level of impact on the Spider-Man zeitgeist as Sam Raimi did. But, you know, he's the director of the new movie. He's got to be in the book. You know what I mean? Like, ditto with Tom Holland. So so one of the things that, like, was kind of in my original list when I pitched it was more of the Mark Webb stuff because I was kind of like, oh, they're going to want to, like, more movie stuff. So I, ha- I was going to, like do a profile on Mark Webb, a profile on Emma Stone. Yeah. Um, and and <laughs> the editor was like, oh, there's too much Mark Webb stuff in there. I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> I can take that right out. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, speaking of which, what were some of the hardest chapters to cut when designing the book? I mean, I could, I could see the temptation to go into every power that Peter has and like, you know, you have a chapter on the spider sense, but like in regards to costumes, you really only have one on the black costume, not even the red and blue one. Did you yeah. at one point have more on his various costumes or anything? Yeah. Like originally I was thinking like, should I do something on the web shooters? So I do something on, um, yeah, some of the different powers, some of the different, I wasn't really thinking costumes cause I was kind of like, I, I kind of in my mind was like, well, you know, I'll cover costumes when we talk about different eras of Spider-Man. Like I kind of talk about him joining up with the future foundation in the, in the Spider-Man human torch chapter. And, you know, I kind of talk a little bit about, um, like stealth Spidey during, um, like the, some of the dance slot stuff and, and like, you know, but, um, like not for nothing, I wanted to do like a whole chapter dedicated to like the loser villains, um, because like, you know, everyone was like, I, I was going to be like, you know, these are like the not ready for primetime players. And like, you know, it, it, there, there was obviously more creators that I would have wanted to do. So I, like, I wanted to do something specifically on friends. I wanted to do something. Um, I didn't think of Ramos, um, per se, but, um, there were certainly like, I like, should Peter David have gotten a proper chapter? I mean, like, you know, we certainly talk about I talk about Gene DeWolf in that book. I talk about 2099 in that book, you know, so it's like, you know, it would it would have been nice. Um, it's covered either way and to a certain regard. Yeah, well, that's it. That's kind of how I like covered it. Like I figured like Ron would be covered with a lot of the Tom DeFalco stuff and like the Spider-Girl stuff. And uh, and that was the other thing, too, like 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 the multi dimensional or the you know the multiverse spider-man like like i that was definitely kind of like short shrifted because i i was just like you know how how deep do you go you know right but you do talk about spider-verse so i do i do um because it's current and yeah (laughs) (laughs) um well one of the things that was striking to me when i first got is like how hefty the book is, you know, um, it's not just some like pocket guide to the character. And I guess I should have imagined that since it's a hundred things, you know, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a fully fleshed out compendium. Um, and this might be the nerd in me, but I thought the most impressive feature of it was your end notes, which are really exciting to me to kind of go through and reverse engineer your research if I wanted to learn more. But, um, can you talk about your research process for the book? Yeah, I mean, this was kind of tricky because <laughs> it's so it's so anti what I usually do. <laughs> like, I really didn't write a single word until I had all of my research laid out. Like, usually I kind of like will go have, I mean, like, this is kind of like the old, 
newspaper reporter in me where like, you know, you sometimes go so far with a story until you hit a, 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 a not a dead end, but a roadblock. And you're like, OK, with a phone call and, a, and, you know, do I need more info on this? You know what I mean? Like, but with this, I was like, no, no, no. I want to have everything laid out. So like I, I went through all of our interviews <laughs> With, with some of those 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 few people that we could not get on I, I i went i listened and downloaded a bunch of podcast interviews with the, with them from other shows and just kind of went through them and like as i was listening with Johnny notes i like you know probably earned frequent flyer miles at like a local starbucks near me where i would sometimes go and just plug in my headphones and in fact although there was one time i went there and like Someone thought that my headphones were too loud. They're like, but they kept saying your music is loud. I'm like, well, it's not music, so it must not be my headphones. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, it's, I didn't realize we had such great singing voices. Yeah, it's 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 Dan Slot like yelling about something, like I did it, I killed him, or whatever, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so like I I I, I basically transcribed like hours upon hours of interviews and like, you know, with like highlighting like parts where I'm like, okay, this would be relevant for this chapter. This would be relevant for that chapter. Uh, I sought out the, I mean, to me, this was the, my favorite, uh, piece of research was this, the Steve Dicko, um, essays from the, um, the little zines that he did in the, uh, two thousands, like, you really can't find those anywhere. You have to like go to um, this website. It's like Dicko. Oh God, I forgot. I forgot the name of the website. I, I, I can. It's it's in the end notes, Dan. Uh, but I'll put it but, in the show notes. Yeah, there you go. But like there, the you know the name of these zines is called the comics, and you know it's basically like Steve Dicko's. Um, uh, podium for all things like objectivism and you know Ayn Randism and stuff like that and it's like him and it's edited by like his I don't even know if they're friends it's an associate of his out on the west coast and um, you you I basically like e- you know email him explain what I was doing and say you know I'm like I need everything that you got and he like they charge you for like photocopies <laughs> Because that's what it is. It's not a real, you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> sheets of loose leaf, but whatever. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> but like, you know, kind of going through the, those writings and, you know, I said to somebody else, it's not, it's not the gospel. I don't, I didn't view them as like the gospel because like, again, it's, it's one person's point of view and it's completely unfiltered. And because Dicko never gives interviews. It's completely unchallenged. So, like, you know, he's just like, you know, and this was a hard thing, too. It was like, how much how much do you actually include with him, like, just completely burying Stan Lee? Uh, And, you know, like, what a what a like, you know, money grubbing freeloader Stan Lee was. And it's like, well, you know, I don't know if casual people really. I mean, I touch on it, but I don't think casual people really need to know what Steve Ditko thinks of Stan Lee to that degree. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like mining through that and like the bitterness, but to actually get like some of the nuggets out of the creative process. Like the fact that Spider-Sense was a completely random like afterthought, which we talked about uh, a few episodes ago because that just fascinated me that it was like (laughs) – you know, Dicko drew squiggly lines and Lee was like, watch this. And it's like, oh, it's, it's it's a radar sense, like a bat, except he's a spider. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have a question here I was going to ask you about, uh, and I guess maybe you've answered it. But, yeah, I was curious about how you handled research on some of these kind of controversial elements. I mean, other than like Dicko and Lee's feud and who owns what and who created what and Kirby's own assertions that he created the character, but like even just, you know, Christopher Priest and his connections to DeFalco and, and yeah. friends, there's, you have a, a, you know, a part of one of the sentences here that says, you know, friends and uh, DeFalco say this isn't true, but you know, how did you handle all of that research when you're getting 
conflicting things and popular theories and all that stuff. Yeah, I, I, I had to keep it as casual as possible. Like if I was if I was writing for back issue, I would have done more of a he said she said thing and tried to be more scintillating about it. But I mean, because again, I mean, like the core audience are people who like are going to see a movie or have just seen a movie. I mean, do they really need to know like the fact that like, you know, JRJR was getting iced out by people because, you know, they thought it was like a nepotism thing that he only had a job in the first, you know what I mean? Or like that, or the fact that like, you know, Bendis had to basically like beg Mark Bagley to do ultimate. Cause Bagley was just like, no, I'm done with Spider-Man. I hate Spider-Man. Like never again. You know what I mean? Like, But you did uh, manage to work all these things in there in very subtle ways and without like really belaboring it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like one of the big chapters that I had to pare down from the initial draft was the Stan Lee chapter because the way it was originally written, there was a lot more about, kind of Stanley, maybe the not so wonderful Stanley. Yeah. And, you know, because it was like, you know, do I, you know, how, how much do I need to honor that story? Because at the same time, I feel that is a story that gets told a lot now. Maybe it's like an overcompensation. <laughs> like, I've, I've always felt that way, but I'm also not an artist that worked with Stan Lee. So, right. But that's the thing, like I because of like the le- level of research I was doing, like as time went on, I was just getting more and more of like that feedback loop of the anti Stan Lee stuff in there. And, you know, like the original chapter I had for Stan Lee was like twice the length because I had so much of that in there. And I was like, you know, when I was kind of pairing back because I knew, you know, there was a target word count and I was over it. I, I like, can't oh. imagine that, Mark. Right? I know. I'm not remotely verbose enough to be over the word limit. That was one of the areas I trimmed back. Because it was like, again, how much do people really need to know this? And, 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 you know, kind of on a personal level, like, I agree with you, Dan. It's like, how much of this is like now just like people just beating up on the guy because they feel he got too much credit years ago? Like, I mean, as much as I love the Sean Howe untold Marvel comic story, like, I feel like both... Stan and Jim Shooter just get savaged in that book. And I'm like, hey, come on, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, you know, like we, we get it. The people you talk to didn't like, didn't like them, you know, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the things I love about this book is the, uh, totally unauthorized on the cover. Uh, yeah, that that that's that's totally triumph. I, I had nothing to do with that. <laughs> I, I I think it implies a kind of like level of scandal to the whole thing. Um, yeah. But my my question is uh, uh, more along the lines of how cooperative was Marvel with your inquiries regarding the book? And you know, the, it's in the acknowledgments. I reached out to Marvel corporate a couple times, and they helped arrange some interviews, and they like you know vetted some things for me. You know, so they were they were good sports about it. I mean, you know, I don't think I shouldn't say I don't think I know that because it's not an official like Marvel sanctioned product. They can't necessarily like promote it in any way, in any meaningful way. But they were they were helpful and and like they they understood the mission of what I was doing and you know they they and, and Dan whether or not they've ever come on our show or not. I mean these these people in Marvel HQ they they know about us. They know who we are. They know what we're about. They know that we're fair. So, like, there there was not a lot of, like, you know, hand-wringing to get some interviews. Like, I talked to Axel Alonso for this. I talked to Tom Brevoort about this. Tried talking to Dan Slott, but he was writing dead no more. So, he, <laughs> he didn't have time. That's too bad. I know. He's, yes. Um, so, um... <laughs> And, and, you know, but like, and I mean, they were very cooperative. I mean, you know, in terms of from a corporate level and, and, and I appreciate them for that. And I, and I did thank a couple of them in the acknowledgements because they, they were good sports about it. So that's cool. Um, this is more on a writing level, but uh, one of the things I've always admired about your writing, whether it's for your blog or for this book is just how in keeping it is. And I don't know if it's intentional or not, uh, with, with the, uh, kind of like classic Marvel writing style, uh, oh, yeah. It's like really friendly and excited and it kind of has like a rhythm and rhyme to it that's kind of perfect for a book like this. 
Like I just kept, even though I knew most of the facts, I just had such a great time reading your writing, um, which I guess is just a good sign of a good writer and well, thank uh, you. Uh, separates you from the sheep like me. Um, <laughs> but uh, I guess my question is, how do you uh, maintain a voice uh, and how do you balance your inner nerd to keep this thing like new reader friendly with that kind of upbeat voice you've got while still digging deep into your Spider-Man nerdery? Like what, what kind of mantras did you put to your writing when writing this thing? Yeah, well, you know, besides cracking the beers open, um, no. Um, <laughs> I mean, like, uh, and if this is cliched, I, I, I apologize, but like, I mean, Dan, this was, this was so much fun for me to do, even though it was like a lot of work and it was a very tight deadline. Like, I mean, I basically had like three to four months to do this whole thing, which was a, not a lot of time, but, um, while working a full-time job. And uh, you're still doing this show. And you're still doing the show, although you gave me a break on reviews, so I appreciate <laughs> that. I had, but, but I was having the time of my life doing this because I, I, you know, and this is a credit to, to, to Triumph and their editors, is that, I mean, they really did just let me write the book I wanted to write. I was like, okay, if I was going to write a book about Spider-Man, this is how I wanted to do it. And they, they, didn't throw any obstacles out there for me to do that. I mean, you know, as long as I was kind of within the parameters we initially discussed when we were first getting this together. So, I mean, any kind of like enthusiasm or excitement that I, I put forward, it really wasn't forced. I, 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 I was just excited to be able to be talking about all of this stuff in kind of like one fluid place. Because, I mean, you know, we've I've over the years, I've talked about Hobgoblin and I've talked about Superior Spider-Man and I've talked about, you know, the Master Planner trilogy. But like, you know, to be able to kind of like have like one repository for 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 everything is was just like like I wrote it thinking, man, if I was like a newer fan I would love having this, you know? So that's, that's why I, like, I wrote the book for me from like 15 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because you and I had always talked about doing something like this and then out of the blue, the opportunity just came. Right. Right. So you know, it, it's yeah. a, it was a great kind of like, uh, like moment for it to just happen, you know? Yeah. You know, and, and like, it, it does make you wonder, I mean, like, you know, if, if without kind of these, parameters and 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 guidelines and stuff you know what what would have it looked like otherwise and and maybe it would have kind of i'm sure it would have been great but the same token would it have gotten buried under other stuff i don't know i mean like you know the yeah. fact that this was kind of very clear cut the mission was clear it's a hundred things don't go over a hundred <laughs> don't go over this many words <laughs> um you know like um, try and have this many other things in there. It was like, okay, that, that kept it focused. And, and, you know, I if, wish if we it, could take that mantra to heart for everything we do. Right. Right. <laughs> because if it was like, it could be a hundred or it could be 111 things. Then I would be like, well, could it be 123 things? Or how about this 134 things? You know, like it's about time I finally do that chapter on the tarantula, you know, like, <laughs> Would there be an opportunity for you to expand the book to 200 things if it sold well? I don't I maybe, but my my sense is probably not. Yeah. But 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 never say never. I of don't course. know. I, I I don't know what the what the 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 next gen of this book is cuz it's like yeah, I mean there's plenty of things we could talk about, but it's like yeah, I I think they still see this as kind of like, you know, like an entry point for somebody and, yeah. and, and to a hundred more would be like a graduation step. And it's like, they don't want to assume that someone has reached that step. They, they're just like, they're, they're always looking they're They seem to be looking more at the first step for somebody. Well, inevitably when they relaunch Spider-Man movies again in a decade, they'll reach out for you to update the book or something. There you go. There, there you go. go. Um, so like I said, well, I'm obsessed, things about that next summer, right? Yeah, there you go. Uh, like I said, I'm obsessed with your end notes, um, and not just to see my name in them, uh, okay. which I, I will admit a certain narcissism to, 
Um, but uh, keep in mind, I only put my name first because of alphabet alphabetical. Sure. GV. No, I'm serious. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but again, like you said, you did a ton of um, new emails and or interviews through email and the phone, which you can see all listed in the back. Um, can you talk about some of them? I mean, obviously, they weren't recorded for our podcast, which is the shame. But uh, like, what, what interview did you think was like the most rewarding or unusual or um, like, I can't believe I got this guy? I don't know if there was anyone where I was like, I can't believe this happened per se. I mean, I was like kind of shocked that I was able to get Axel on the phone. Not that Axel doesn't – Axel Alonso. Not that he doesn't do press, but like, you know, especially because I wanted to talk to him about – not just like Marvel, what's doing right now, but like his time as Spider Group editor during the the JMS era, which was you know probably well certainly ended on the most controversial story in the history of the character. Um, so like, and they knew going into that, that's what I wanted to talk about, and you know I wanted to talk a little bit about the rift with JMS and and all that kind of stuff, and you know I could tell that he wasn't entirely comfortable talking about that but i was but the fact that like i was kind of upfront about it and they still were like no we can we can give you some time with axel i was like all right that's cool and axel was generally pretty good about it i mean like he you know like what what i could tell you know what he didn't want to answer he 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 dodged how he dodged but you know like what but you know he's 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 a, he's a professional he can't burn bridges you know what i mean like he doesn't he's not gonna he's not gonna like completely bad mouth j michael straczynski and um, but like probably my my favorite of the interviews was with Tom Brevoort because like Tom Brevoort is just like I don't know like ha, ha, he, he's just this big giant fan and I know that he's another one that like sometimes people get ticked off by in terms of his comments in the in the media and the press and stuff like that and you know I'm not here to like defend or or criticize any of that i'm just you know talking strictly about our conversation because what i really wanted to talk about with tom well there was two things first because he was one of the masterminds behind untold tales of spider-man uh with kurt busiak and so i wanted to talk a little bit about that but then like one of the big kind of like holes i found in my research um in large part because of the people behind these stories are kind of so inaccessible were were like the Spider-Man in Civil War and Spider-Man with the Avengers eras. So like, you know, basically like all of like the Bendis and Mark Millar stuff. Because like I just couldn't get Bendis and Mark Millar, I definitely couldn't get Mark Millar. And like, and when I did listen to interviews about them, like people are not asking them questions about Civil War as it relates to Spider-Man. They're just asking about, so Civil War was like about the Patriot Act, right? You know what I mean? Like, it's just yeah. like, you know, that's the level they're coming out of it. So, like, I I, I called, I, I reached out to Tom to be like, can you talk, to, as as the editor of those books, can you talk to me about, I, I, I'm looking specifically at Spider-Man and, like, you know, kind of what was going on in the in the, in the the back room, so to speak, when this was going on. And, like, Tom was just like, free flowing with the with the, with the anecdotes and like you know conversations he had with Bendis and conversations he had with Millar and then like kind of him being like cuz you know like Brevort and he, and this is not a secret i mean like Brevort hated the idea of Spider-Man on the Avengers he's like this is terrible like like there's no he's no business you know like he's he's the every man what is he going to start asking like Tony Stark for a loan now because he's on the Avengers you know like like other editorial powers saw the dollar signs and Mark Millar and Bendis were pushing it so hard he gave in so like I liked how like Revor kind of couched things with like so here's what happened in the back room but also this is what I was thinking you know like this is crazy this is awesome this is like you know. Like, what is Bendis doing? You know, like, I loved, like, this anecdote he threw in there about um, Norman Osborn kind of becoming the 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 big bad of the Marvel Universe. He was like, you know, the, the conversation he had with Bendis was that they wanted to do something where every hero in the Marvel Universe could be Spider-Man for the day. Because now they know what it's like to have 
like a villain like Osborne, who was just so powerful and made them feel so helpless and like losers. And like, 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 like that was part of the pitch was like, we want all the Avengers to be like Spider-Man. That's why we want Osborne to, to be the villain in like secret invasion. And then in like dark Avengers and siege and all that. And I was like, that's a really cool, like little story. I don't know if that's like a total game changer, but I just liked that like perspective on it. So I, I don't know if that ever really was reflected in the comics. Yeah. Well, that's that, what they were going for. Yeah. 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 Well, that's crazy. Well, that's cool. Um, you know, I, I'm learning a lot while reading the book. I mean, like every time I think I know everything you've written in there, I discover something new that I, I didn't know about, but I'm, I'm curious for you. There were so many Spider-Man comics, movies and toys, et cetera, to dig through. Um, what were some of the hardest details to lock down when you put this book together and, um, what elements of Spider-Man's history and et cetera, uh, like, did you feel a little shaky on going into this? You've been really reinforced by doing this process. I mean, we've talked about this on the show. I, I have a lot of blind spots with like the animation stuff. So like I, I, you know, this kind of, I kind of cheated. I just kind of dedicated one or two chapters to like one to Spider-Man 67 and then the other to like all the other animation. Um, but like, you know, as part of doing that, like I sat down and like, I binged on the 90 series. I binged on spectacular. I watched some of like the newest series and some of like, well then there's like the Doogie Hauser CGI. series. <laughs> I watched a couple of that. I was like, all right, we're good on that. <laughs> um, so like that was kind of coming, but at the same token, like it, I didn't realize how great Spectacular Spider-Man was, like the, the animated series. I thought like that that's one of the better non-comic book representations of the character. In terms of like comic book history, I mean, what's kind of surprising is um, most the, the the least amount of information is from like the two thousands. Like like the the JMS into brand new day stuff. Brand new day was covered because even though we haven't talked to Dan Slot, we talked to like everybody else, and like like I feel like we have a good picture of what the writers' room was like at that time. Yeah, from like talking to Guggenheim and talking to, I talked to Zeb Wells a bit for this, and talking to um, um, what's his name, Joe Kelly. Um, you know, like we didn't. I didn't feel like that was a blind spot, but yeah, like everything from like reboot volume two on to brand new day was kind of dark. And, and I talked to Howard Mackey a bit about volume two and like, I don't even know if he remembers anymore. <laughs> what was going on he just like blacked out and woke up with JMS writing the book and was like, what just happened? Yeah. Like I kept trying to bait him with like, and I know he's friends with John Byrne. So like um, I knew he wasn't going to like throw shade at John Byrne, but I kept trying to bait Howard with like, you know, so when Byrne was like, you know, basically rewriting Spider-Man's origin so that he, that he owned a laptop instead of a microscope, uh, you know, like, you know, <laughs> like that was the big change. <laughs> that was a revolutionary difference. Um, or, you know, like, you know, why, 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 why did, why did Aunt May come back with a bomb in her brain? <laughs> <laughs> and Howard's like, I don't know. Let's talk about the clone saga. I'm like, this is like the first time, like someone was actually like, no, I want to talk about the clone saga. <laughs> <laughs> I, People I, I, rag I, on the clone I, saga, but they've not read volume two. Right. Exactly. All right. Um, yeah. One of the things I found myself thinking while reading your book and realizing that I know a lot of the obscure details you reference just off the back of my hand is damn, I have relegated way too much of my brain to knowledge of Spider-Man. Did you feel that way while creating the book? Uh, yeah, maybe a little. I mean, <laughs> I, I like, I don't know at what point any of this is useful outside of like, well, I got to write a book, so that's useful. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> in a weird way, this book is kind of like giving the okay stamp to all of your life choices. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, someone was saying like, uh, someone was asking me about the chapter with the, um, where I kind of go on the guided tour of New York. And they were like, oh, is it kind of weird to like, 
you know, you live in New York to kind of see all these things that show up in the comics. I, said, I don't know if it's weird. I said, I'm sure my wife thinks it's weird when we go to the Museum of Natural History. And I'm like, well, this is where Stegron attacked Spider-Man with the dinosaur exhibit. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you would include the mindworm uh, house. Oh, the Rockaway Beach House. I almost did. And then I, that, that was cutting room floor material. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, mindworm, you know, that, that villain everybody loves. Yeah, he's great. He's uh, terrific. It's a great bathing suit. <laughs> uh, well, I guess that's really it for me, but so I just wanted to say congratulations again. And uh, now I, I, I'm obligated to ask you, now, yeah. that, now that you're a published author on a book about Spider-Man, what yeah. does it mean to you that you've got a book that despite being totally unauthorized, <laughs> is going to influence a whole new generation of fans who are learning about Spider-Man for the first time. Man, we've asked that question so many times, and like, I've heard people kind of, well, some some are kind of like, yeah, whatever, it's cool, and but then like, you know, there are people like Ron and and others who kind of get taken aback by it, and I'm definitely in the latter camp right now. I'm kind of taken aback by that question. I mean. Um, you know, it was, this was fun for me and the fact that I got to kind of just have fun talking about something I love, talking about something that I get to do with you every other week. Well, people hear it every week, but we talk every other week. <laughs> sausage making, <laughs> sausage making. Um, like it, it's. You know, when I when I started doing Chasing Amazing uh, in 2011, I mean, it was like, you know, at that point, that was kind of like at the peak of blog to books, you know, <laughs> and, um, you know, in some ways, I, I still haven't really gotten to tell that story in full about, you know, the story I was wanting to tell when I started Chasing Amazing, which was like, you know, oh, how does one man go on a crazy quest to collect comics. But um, at the same token, I never thought that I would like kind of evolve or emerge as like not an expert, but like a voice of, of authority on Spider-Man and, and, and the fact that it, it's, you know, because of working with you and doing some of the stuff, other sites that I've done, the fact that like I can say, I, I'm, I I was able to do that now. I mean, like it's it's it it goes beyond what I dreamed of doing. I mean, I've always wanted to write, and and I've loved Spider Man, but I never really thought that um, those two things would ever be useful <laughs> together. <laughs> so it's kind of amazing, and and I you know I wouldn't trade it in for anything. So I well, pre- thank you for asking me that. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. I had to. Uh, obligations of our show. (laughs) Uh, We have standards. Well, great, Mark. It was awesome to have you on this podcast. I hope you'll come back sometime soon. Okay, will do. (laughs) Anytime. Your people can call my people or, you know, just text me. (laughs) We'll do lunch sometime. There you go. (laughs) Perhaps at my wedding in two weeks. Ooh, yes. (laughs) There we go. I will have to toast you. I will toast you with a non-alcoholic beer for Peter's sake, you know? (laughs) (laughs) There you go. There you go. Somebody spiked the punch bowl. No! Drug Pete. Hashtag. Well, guys, it was great to have Mark on the show, and I, I hope that he returns real soon. It's almost like he'd make a great co-host to a show about Spider-Man. Well, anyway, uh, of course, you can find all of our new Amazing Spider Talk and old Superior Spider Talk podcasts over at SuperiorSpiderTalk.com or find us at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and YouTube by searching for, you guessed it, Amazing Spider Talk. And if you do end up subscribing, which... You undoubtedly will. Uh, You should leave us a rating and a review, and we'll be sure to read it on the air. And also, don't forget to vote in our essential survey, which is now live on SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. If you click on the banner, we want to know what 10 Spider-Man comics you consider essentials. Uh, Mark, 
I just noticed you lingering around in the room, so I guess I'll ask you one last time, where can we follow you on the internet and pick up a copy of your book this week? Oh, man. Like, you really took this way too far, Dan. I mean, <laughs> this whole I'm a guest thing. Anyway, uh, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at ChasingASMblog, um, and you can um, find my book on triumphbooks.com or on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com or all major book retailers. It, it's officially coming out June 1st. I don't know if this um, podcast will drop before or after then, but like that is like you can actually allegedly walk into a bookstore then and see it in the store. Um, and if your local comic book shop doesn't carry it, Tell, ask them to carry it because it was in Diamond preview, so um, they are distributing it. So send I know some pictures. Shot- send us pictures if you see it in the wild. Yeah, um, definitely. And and if you want to talk to me about the book on Twitter, hashtag it one hundred Spider Man because that that's you know branding Dan. Uh, <laughs> And also, if you have a book and you got it from Amazon yet, uh, you got it through Amazon, leave a review on Amazon for me. They'll help the searchability of it. Uh, to answer Zeke's question to me, no, I'm not desperate for reviews. I just, just you know, like, it's just all about marketing it, uh, Zeke. He sent me this. He, he seemed very concerned because he hadn't reviewed it yet. And he was like, are you, like, really desperate for reviews? I'm like, well, I'm not desperate, but, you know, if you want to review it, you can review it. <laughs> I won't say no. <laughs> um, you know, it's kind of like what we say on this website, all, on this podcast all the time about reviewing our show on iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play. Um, and of course, also, um, I know there's some people who ordered copies that are not in the New York area and want to get like a, a signing or an inscription from me. Uh, if, if, you, you tweet me or uh, reach out if we're Facebook friends. If you reach out to me on Facebook, um, I will send you information on how I can send you uh, an inscription. So very cool. Yes, I've already done three of them, so it can be done, people. <laughs> Dan, where can we find you on all these things? Oh, you want to find me in general or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, you know, where, where can we find you? For the next two weeks as a single man. <laughs> yeah, you can find me on Twitter at, at Dan Gavazdan or my Spider-Man account at Sup Spider Talk. Um, we're probably going to be taking a little bit of a break on the podcast because I'm going to go get married and then spend a week doing honeymoonish things. And uh, as you can imagine, that's probably not going to include talking to Mark through Skype. Although I'll be talking to you in person, Mark. Because you're going to be in my wedding. Yes. Um, but uh, what what a weird thing this world has conspired to make happen. Um, I, I got I got the hotel and everything. Two, and, two and... strangers from the internet. Yes. Uh, uh, so there you go. We will be meeting for the third or fourth time, and yeah, it'll be a, a very high level uh, of of uh, of friendship, I guess. Yeah, well, you know, I get to meet your family. I'll get to meet, you know, it's going to be great. Yeah, it'll be really fun. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> expect a brief hiatus on the show, but you can always find our writing over at superiorspidertalk.com, which I'll be keeping up with. Perhaps not on my wedding day, but every other day I'll be posting things. So there you go. keep an eye there. Um, now, go on your honeymoon, Dan. Are you going to be staying at like a hotel that the Puma owns? Or um... Yes, I am. <laughs> and uh, eventually we're going to go. The Puma is going to uh, conspire to make me break into someone's house uh, on okay. his behalf before I turn around and realize what he was doing and disavow any friendship with uh, Mr. Fireheart. There you go. There you go. Thomas Fireheart. Can't trust him. You, you cannot. You cannot. Say, oh, yes, there's a deep dig you pushed on me. And I, I rose to the challenge. There. Congratulations. There you go. There, I've been reading a lot about honeymooning in, in Spider-Man comics to prepare. Because uh, that's how things work, right? Yes. But remember, if Mephisto comes, just tell him to go away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, will, I, hope he's, uh, I hope my aunt doesn't get shot. Oh, God. Well, it depends on the ant. Okay, there you <laughs> go. 
<laughs> Mark, I heard your Uncle Ben once wrote a book, The Totally Unauthorized 100 Things Mets Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. Did, was he able to complete the list of 100 before he died? Well, you know, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, Uncle Ben, passionate Mets fan. I'm a passionate Mets fan. And, and you know, the Mets are kind of like lovable losers or maybe not that lovable um, because, you know, one of the things that he wanted to do was um, he wanted to streak on the field uh, during the seventh inning stretch. And Uncle Ben, you know, he wrote the chapter on how to do it. But he had not done it yet. And kind of like me with the wheat cakes, he was he was really upset that he never got to do this. So, um, you know, we 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 were at a game. Um, the Mets were down like 11 to one in the seventh inning. And like, um, you know, they they started to rally, though. And, um, you know, the 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 Mets had um, cut it to. 11 to 8 and the bases were loaded and and Mike Piazza, you know, the big, you know, star catcher, you know, Mr. Clutch came up to bat. He, you know, fastball down the middle of the plate. Piazza hits a high fly ball. Bases are loaded. If they if they get the four runs, they're going to complete the comeback. They're going to be up 12 to 11. And uh, Dan, I don't know why, but at that point, Ben decides he's going to start streaking. Because he ran into the field as the ball was still in play, the play got nullified. <laughs> um, you know, it was like fan interference, and Piazza was called out. And, um, you know, the inning was over, and, um, you know, you can imagine how the fans responded, Dan. Um, they were throwing batteries at him, and, and you know, the, the, the security was tasing him. So, yeah, he died. Because, you know, he got batteries thrown at his head. Um, but he did get the streak. And I asked him as he was, you know, riding on the ground dying. I was like, how's it feel, Uncle Ben? You finally got to do all 100 things in your Mets book. And he said, with great podcasts must also come amazing spider talk. <laughs> <laughs>